0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. We're now going to be reading from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through to 34. I'll be reading in the NIV version. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever as is to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may ever be seeing, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed among the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still, others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some a 100 times what was sown. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say is the, king- the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable should we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with, branches, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything.
1: Well, good evening, City Light North Adelaide. It is so good to be with you tonight, wherever you are, happen to be watching this stream. Um, thank you for joining us to worship Jesus. That's why we're here, that's why we're watching this. Jesus, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who's coming again. My name is Tyler, and I'm the lead pastor down at City Light South, uh, down at Chrissy's Beach. And like you, we've been meeting online for these several weeks. And we're also um, on a journey through the Gospel of Mark. And so Simon asked me to come and, and share from Mark chapter four this week, and so that's what we're going to do, And I'm really looking forward to unpacking this really significant part of Mark's gospel for you guys tonight. Um, Mark, so far, has been really just unpacking and unveiling for us this really crucial question of who is Jesus? I mean, he starts off really big, just in his opening verse. If you remember Mark chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You know, that's a big claim to make right up front. And Mark is going to spend the rest of his gospel narrative kind of backing up and explaining exactly what he means by that. So as we dive into the text today, I want us to pray first that God would um, help us to hear his words help us to listen really well, because this chapter that we're going to look at is all about listening to the words of God. So we're going to pray to that end, and then we'll dive to, into the text. So join me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that is true. Thank you for your word that is life. Lord, we live on these words. Every mouth that, every word that comes out of your mouth is a word that sustains us, is a word that informs us, is a word that encourages us and challenges us. So help us to hear those words tonight. Lord, thank you so much um, for your love, for your grace. Come now through your Holy Spirit and open our ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 4. Thank you, Brianna, for reading the text for us, I'm not going to um, walk through it verse by verse. I'm just going to give you kind of a, a, a bit of an overview and some, some principles that we see from the text, but I'm going to be referring to it. So just have that open in front of you if you can. Last week, Andrew took us up to the end of chapter 3. And I want to remind you where chapter 3 left off. Uh, it ends with these words of Jesus Jesus said this He said, Whoever does the will of God, whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, Jesus says, if you want to know who my family are, you don't need one of those little, you know, spit in the tube DNA test things from Ancestry.com. If you want to know who my family are, what you need is to observe their life. You know, if they look like Jesus, if they sound like Jesus, if they behave like Jesus, chances are they're in the family. Whoever does the will of God is my family. but That leaves us with a question then, doesn't it? How do we, how do, how do I, a sinner, someone who's imperfect, someone who just doesn't get it right a lot of the time, how do I do the will of God? How do you do the will of God? You know, he's going to tell us in Mark chapter 4, but in a way that's maybe a bit different than we might like. He's, he doesn't give us a list of 10 things that we need to do in order to do the will of God, he's going to tell us a story or a series of stories called parables. Mark tells us at the, in verse 2, it says that Jesus was teaching the crowds, as, he, as we've seen him do already, and he's teaching them using these stories, these extended illustrations called parables. He teaches them many things, it says, and then down at the end of our section, verses 33 and 34, says, he was speaking the word to them with many parables like these, as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. In other words, every time he taught, every time he wanted to explain and unpack the word of, uh, the word of God and the kingdom of God, he used these parables. So we're going to look at a few of them tonight in chapter 4. And in this one, in particular in these parables in chapter 4, we're going to see the secret, I think... The secret to doing the will of God. The secret to doing the will of God. So the first parable that we find in chapter 4, it's in verses 1 to 20, is called the parable of the sower. The parable itself, we find it in verses 3 through 9. And then Jesus gives an explanation to his disciples that we find in verses 13 to 20. Jesus explains the meaning of the parable to his inner circle of disciples in private, and it's one of the only parables that we find in the Gospels that comes with its own explanation. It helps us to understand why the very first word that Jesus speaks to introduce this parable is the command to listen, to listen, because this parable is really all about listening and specifically listening to Jesus. Let me explain what I mean by that. Here's a quick summary of the parable of the sower. You may have heard it before. Maybe you haven't. Maybe this is the first time. So there's a sower, or a farmer, or a gardener who is planting seeds, and the the way he's doing it might seem to you and me a bit careless. He's just kind of chucking it wherever, and and some of it lands on on the on the road or on the path. Some of it lands on you know rocky soil. Some of it lands on in thorn bushes, and then some of it lands in good soil, and. uh, the, the picture here of the farmer, he actually, Jesus tells us, that it represents God, or the one who spreads the message, the gospel of the kingdom, the message of God. Um, the idea here is not that God is careless in just chucking the, the gospel message wherever. The idea is that God really desires, His desire, His will, is to see that gospel message, that message of the kingdom, that message of hope and of coming restoration and coming judgment. He wants to see that spread to absolutely every type of person and every place that exists. It's the heart of God. If you are a farmer or a gardener today and you want a harvest of delicious fruit, um, you know, you've got to start with tiny seeds. In the parable, Jesus uses seed to represent God's word or God's message. And a seed on its own isn't really very useful unless maybe you're a bird or a vegan. A seed really is this tiny thing that is meant to produce something else over time. It's only useful when it's planted in fertile soil and grows up into the plant that produces fruit or an edible crop. Uh, In the same way, God wants us to produce these results or a harvest of fruit in our lives. That's another way of saying God wants you and me to do his will and as such be fruitful. This is what God wants for you and for me. And that's why Jesus is so insistent that the people listening to him and you and me listen to his words. Uh, in, the verse, in the first 20 verses of Mark 4, the words listen or hear are there seven times, seven times we see that word. And, and I feel like in that, you know, Jesus is kind of channeling my inner parent because I say that all the time, listen, 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 or, or maybe a, a primary school teacher. But God really, really wants you to listen to his words. Let me tell you Why? If you read the parable and the explanation that Jesus gives to his disciples, you'll know there's a bunch of things he says will block or uh, hinder people from hearing properly, from hearing God's words. Um, He talks about soil number one. That's the hard path. And there's a block there. And what's the block? The block is Satan and his minions. They're the birds that come and snatch away the seed. And the hardness of the path itself is also a block. It it, it represents the hardness of our hearts. And we've already seen that, you know, with the Pharisees back in chapter 3. They had hard hearts. They are the the hard path, so to speak. These are people who think they don't need any truth or any God or any king outside of themselves. They're their own authority. They they are their own best hope. This is the hard path. Soil number two, uh, the rocky ground. Uh, the block there to hearing Jesus' words is what it is um, suffering, difficulty It, it says that, that you know these are people who welcome the Word of God with joy, but then stuff gets hard, and the cost of discipleship becomes really heavy. You know, Jesus said, "Take up your cross and follow me," and and, and people get to, they get opposition, they get rejection, they might miss out on opportunities, and all of a sudden, people are saying, "No, I, I don't want. That's not what I. That's what. That's not what I came here for. That's not what I thought the Christian life was. I thought it was supposed to be easy and and just get better day after day after day, and so they give up. Soil number three, the thorny ground. The block there is." Um, Believing that this world and the stuff this world has to offer is all that matters. Um, you know, if you're so busy trying to save up for your retirement uh, or to put down a deposit on a house or you are so busy trying to get, like, super fit for Instagram or you are worried that you're going to miss out on, on these amazing experiences that your friends are having, th- these are the, the thorns that Jesus is sort of warning us to watch out for. These are the things that will take our eyes off of Jesus and make us unfruitful in our Christian lives. Desires for the promises of the world, those things will fill you up so that you have no more desire for the things of God. And you won't bear fruit. See, no fruit here means no change. It means no growth, No, ultimately no reward. That's what Jesus is warning against. And so the message of this parable, it's it's not just for those who are not Christians. It's not just for those who don't believe or don't follow Jesus. It's for those of us who do believe and do follow Jesus. Because we can fall into the trap of thinking that bearing fruit and doing the will of God and, and, and obeying him and resisting sin, that those things don't matter. And Jesus says they absolutely matter. Your joy and your eternal reward depends on Those things. Jesus wants you to watch out for anything that blocks you from listening to his words. You won't last without his words. They are the very things that sustain you and help you to bear fruit. See, listening to God's words is the secret to doing God's will. That's who's in the family. People in the family are the people who listen to God's words, even the hard words. Attending to every word that's breathed out of God's mouth. Whether I like it or not, whether it feels comfortable or not, attending to every word is the secret to living the purpose that you were created for. It's the secret to finding the joy that God intends for you, to know and enjoy God, to glorify Him by doing His will. And you see, in soil number four, let me let me re- read verse twenty for you. Here's what Jesus said about the good soil, the fruitful soil. He said, "And those like seeds sown on good ground they hear the word." They welcome it and they produce fruit. 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Men and women in Jesus' day and in ours who attend carefully to God's word, they hear it, they try to understand what it means, and then they put it into practice. People who do that are fruitful, they are useful, their lives are all in for Jesus, and they want the things that He wants. And they make choices that reflect that, and that is God's will for you. That's God's will for me. Now, don't get ahead of me. You you might be thinking now I'm going to ask you. Well, which kind of soil are you? Are you the hard path? Are you the rocky soil? Are you the thorny soil? Or are you the good soil? I've heard sermons like that before on this on this parable. If you're not the good soil, maybe you just need to try harder. You need to get rid of all those rocks and thorns in your life. And get with the program, get rid of the distractions, start reading your Bible more, and you'll be with it. But see, I think that's missing the point of the parable. This is not a legalistic parable telling you to try harder. Let me explain what I mean. Jesus issues a warning for sure. He does say, watch out for things that will pull you away from me, that will pull you away and make it hard for you to hear what I'm saying to you. But, think for a minute why he so carefully explains the meaning of this parable to his disciples. Why does he take the time? Um, Part of doing the will of God, see, is to listen to Jesus, right? And his disciples, in their listening, and they're trying to understand the meaning of the parable, even though they don't at the beginning, they're careful listening to Jesus, they're attending to him, they're seeking him out and trying to understand shows that they are ready and willing to bear fruit. They want to do the will of God even if they're not doing it perfectly. And so you, you see these men and women, you'll see them, like think about Peter, he was there that day, he was listening to that parable, he didn't get it, he went to Jesus going, why are you talking this way? Later on in, in Peter's life, he would be the one that would call down curses on himself and deny that he even knew Jesus. And yet, and yet, over time, over time, what did God do in Peter's life? What did he do? He, he removed the thorns. He removed the rocks so that by the end of his life, he was literally willing and able, and he did lay down his own life for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. Because he spent a lifetime, not of doing everything right, he spent a lifetime listening to Jesus. These former fishermen and tax collectors and ordinary folks, they changed the world. Why? Not because they tried hard, but because they listened to the word. You can't think that they had it figured out early on. I mentioned Peter denied Jesus. Surely, that he can't be the good soil, but, but yet he was. What about you and me? I mean, I still wrestle with pride and, and anger and, and laziness and all these things. How can I possibly do the will of God? Listen to what the Puritan uh, uh, Bible commentator, Matthew Henry, had to say about this parable. He says, I want to tell you about the good ground, the good, the fruitful ground. He says, that which distinguished the good ground from the rest was, in one word, fruitfulness. He didn't say that this good ground had no stones in it or no thorns, but there were none that prevailed to hinder its fruitfulness. Stones or thorns may be found in the good soil of a true believer's heart, but such obstructions do not finally prevent him from bearing fruit. Why not? Because God is at work in you. Friends, if you're listening to the words of God, even now, if you're attending to his words and you want to understand, you're asking for God's help to change, to trust, to obey, then you will bear fruit. You will. Slowly, day after day, God's word is doing its work in your heart so that you will live out the purpose he created you for. Grieve over your sin for sure. Confess your sin that you might be healed. But if you are in Christ, and his spirit lives within you, then none of those things will prevent you from bearing fruit, from doing God's will. Jesus not only speaks to you so that you might listen and do God's will, he also died for you. As it says, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5:14, he says He died, Jesus died for you, so that those who live, and that's you and me, should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. The the power to change, the power to do God's will, the power to bear fruit is the power that Jesus died to give you in his Holy Spirit. Listen, you remember those blocks to hearing God's word? Remember what they were? Satan and his minions, they were block number one. Well, you, you, you know all the people that Jesus um, healed and, and cast demons out of them, and then they became his disciples. Satan and his minions are no ma- match for Jesus and his word, right? Block number two, there was the fear of suffering and persecution. Eleven out of the twelve of Jesus', of Jesus own disciples would go on to die. A martyr's death Not counting their lives, something to to grasp onto, but they gave up everything for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel. Why? Because all those years, Jesus' words had changed their hearts and made them fruitful. Block number three, the love for the world, the fear of missing out. Well, Levi, we saw a couple weeks ago, he was a tax collector and Jesus saved him. Mary Magdalene, she was a sex worker and, and God saved her. Peter, Andrew, James, John, they were all successful businessmen who had everything to lose by following Jesus, and yet they gave it up because they heard his word and they became fruitful. The same is true for any of us who hears Jesus' word today. Jesus' word is powerful, it does stuff in you and in me. But then, what about the people who hear Jesus' words, who hear God's word in scripture, who hear the gospel, and yet they still don't believe? What about them? Well, see, Jesus had this question in mind when he told his disciples why he used the parables, why he spoke in parables. He said in verse 11, he said, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, that's those who don't listen, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive, they may indeed listen and yet not understand, otherwise they might turn back and be forgiven. Now, this is a tough passage to understand. I don't have time to unpack it fully. So let me just summarize. Um, Jesus here is quoting Isaiah chapter 6 to show that his word, and specifically the parables, has two distinct purposes. The parables have two distinct purposes. Purpose number one is to instruct the disciples to reveal hidden things, the secret or the mystery of the kingdom of God, to those who are listening. To those who have ears to hear. But then purpose number two is here in these verses I just read. For those on the outside, the purpose of the parables is to, to the hard-hearted people like the Pharisees, is to, to make their hearts even harder. To make them even more resistant. Less willing to repent. And and, and that's, that's a hard thing for us to get our heads around. Um. But it's a tool, the parables there are a tool of God's judgment on those who are already rejecting him. Because like we see in Romans chapter 1, you can't reject Jesus, you can't reject the word of God forever. If you go on repeatedly rejecting him, refusing to listen day after day after day after day, refusing to come into the light, then you will Find God's judgment. It's a warning. We see that in Scripture, and we can't ignore it. If you reject God's grace and love for you and his chosen king long enough, he will give you what you want. You don't ever have to do the will of God, ever, if you don't want to. I don't know. Have you ever spent time in a dark room or maybe like in a in a in a deep deep inside a cave where there's no light. Well, what happens when you finally come out or when someone turns on the light? You kind of close your eyes. It hurts to come into the light when you've been living in darkness for so long. It hurts, but it's it's not impossible. The longer though we love the darkness and resist the light of God's grace, the harder it becomes to repent, the less we want to. Come into the light. And Jesus says in verses 21 and following here, he says, the light is coming. Everything that it has been hidden will be unveiled. The light is shining on a lampstand. It's coming. And that's why the Pharisees and the enemies of God here are so mad. They hate it that God's kingdom is not only coming, but that it's coming in a way that they have no control over, that they don't understand. It's not what they want. And so Jesus says these words of judgment in verse 25. He says, whoever has, and when he's talking about what they have, it's not talking about stuff. He's talking about the desire to listen, the desire to change, the desire to know God. Whoever has that, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. What the disciples and believers have, what they possess is humble trust in Jesus, Pharisees and the unbelievers, they don't have that trust. They trust in themselves. And one day, even that trust from themselves will be pulled out from underneath of them. Whenever you hear and believe God's words, see, you're doing his will. That's what he wants for you. And what comes when you listen and you hear and you believe what comes, the reward, is a greater trust, a greater peace, a greater confidence in him, a greater understanding, a greater hope, a greater joy to honor and serve the king of kings with your life. And that's the promise for those who listen. In the final section of Mark 4 that we're unpacking today, Jesus tells two more parables about the kingdom of God. And both of them, like the first one, involve tiny seeds. The, the first parable, there's a, a small seed that starts and then, and then it gets planted by the farmer and then it sprouts and it grows and it turns into a, a crop ready for harvest. But the farmer doesn't really understand all the complex biological processes that make it happen. He faithfully does his bit and then nature, or God in this case, uh, does the rest until harvest time. In the second parable, uh, starting in verse 30, the specific seed that Jesus has in mind, he identifies as a mustard seed. Mustard plants were not big cash crops. Uh, No one grew them on purpose. They were actually considered a bit of an invasive species. And yet Jesus uses that as an example because the seed starts out so small and the plant that results from it is quite large. Uh, Jesus' point here is that the kingdom of God often starts out invisible or, or, or difficult to see or, or a bit strange and insignificant and small. And yet, at the end of the day, there's a massive harvest of fruit. Think about how some of the people um, reacted to Jesus. In, in uh, some of the other Gospels, that it identifies that Jesus' hometown was a place called Nazareth, which was a small town. It was a bit of a backwater you know, people would, would say to Jesus, they would kind of question him or scoff at him and say, how can you be sent from God? I mean, you grew up in Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. And yet, from Nazareth came the, the man, the son of God, who changed the world. I, I, I don't know about you, but some of you, like I do, can feel insignificant and, and, and broken and, and unable to be used of God. And yet, over and over again, we see from even in the life of Jesus itself, out of obscurity, God can pour his power and his grace and his, make his purposes come to pass because that's what he predestined to happen. So, what about you? How are you participating now in what God is doing in the world? How do you grow from that small beginning to a fruitful crop? How do you do God's will? Well, you start by entrusting yourself to the one who made you, the one who died for you, the one who is remaking you. You entrust yourself to him by listening to his voice, listening to his words, attending to them. Treat his words like Sinclair Ferguson tells us to treat the parables. He says the parables, they're not just clever little illustrations. He says they're weapons of spiritual warfare. Weapons of spiritual warfare that help us to attend to the words of Jesus. The more you hear and the more you believe and the more you act on Jesus' words, the more you want to hear. The more confidence you'll have in who Jesus is. The one who's doing the work, all the work. The one who's making you grow. You are his workmanship. You are his creation. And your growth, your fruitfulness, your purpose, your joy is his will for your life. His name is on the line. His name is on the line of your life and he will make it happen. Just listen to him. Uh, Let me finish by reading a, a poem from the Bible. It's the very first psalm in the book of Psalms. You wonder why so many of Jesus' parables had to do with agriculture, plants and seeds and harvests. Well, if you listen to Psalm 1 that was written by King David, or breathed out by God through King David, a thousand years before Jesus came on the scene, L- listen to the language here, and I think you'll understand why Jesus picks up on so many of these agricultural metaphors in his parables. Here's what David wrote. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. His delight is in the Lord's words. And he meditates, dwells on those things day and night. And what's he like the one who listens to God's word. What's he like? He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. See, God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be happy, not in the worldly sense of having stacks and stacks of cash and stacks and stacks of options and freedom. He wants you to be happy in him, to be happy in Jesus, not in your sin, Not wallowing in the darkness, but happy in him. Happy in the light. Happy doing his will. So if you want to be happy, then friends, listen to him. He knows how to make you happy. Feast on his words. Cling to the one who breathed them into existence. He is the prize. He is the prize for a fruitful life lived well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us to listen carefully to everything that you have to say to us in Scripture. Lord, you are holy. Lord, we want your kingdom, your hidden kingdom revealed in Jesus to come. We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to do your will in our lives. So Lord, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit who you poured out into our lives the day that you saved us, the day you forgave us, redeemed us, adopted us because of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful to be included in your family. Now help us to be your servants who delight in your word and delight in doing your will. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church northadelaide.